Welcome to Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. For anybody out there who doesn't know, I'm a real estate investor, a real estate syndicator, and a busy professional just like you. I love talking about real estate and investing, helping others grow their wealth in their free time. Today, our guest is Marcus House. Marcus is a real estate investor. He invests in syndications. He's a busy professional as well. And today we're gonna go over his system that he uses to vet syndication sponsors, to vet syndicators uh, like myself. So I think everybody that is in syndication investing as a passive investor should have a system for doing so and not enough people do. So if you are a passive investor in syndications now or you're thinking about it, definitely listen to this episode, pick up some lessons from Marcus and start to build your own system based off of what he has to say. So Marcus, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely, absolutely. So for the folks out there who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and you know what you do? Yeah, sure. So to add to the introduction, I am a, a W-2 engineer as well. And, um, and prior to in investing in syndication, I have a long history of investing in single family, buying whole real estate. Um, so, so I want to add that. And so, you know, I think it hasn't been long since I decided to try to make that transition. So I'm definitely not attempting to come from a, a position of expertise when it comes to vetting, um, but it is a system. Um, and so that's really my intent here is to share as you, as you ask, kind of what, what I've been doing, kind of how I came up with what I have. Great. I think, you know, uh, a lot of people get into syndication investing who might not have a, a real estate investing background and, and might not have their own experience uh, doing single family investing like you have. So I'm sure you bring a lot of unique experiences with that to your uh, syndication investing. Let's jump into it. Let's, let's get started on the system. Tell us about it. Okay. So first of all, it's, it's a, I would say a two to four part system. Um, let me just kind of walk back from the beginning. So first I got to figure out who, who am I going to vet? Who am I going to present the system to? And so just kind of talk to people on bigger pockets and uh, forums. I'll, I'll get referred to a sponsor um, as, as someone they claim is someone that should be wonderful. Um, so someone like that would then uh, reach out to them and, you know, and go to their website, do a little bit of background on them, checking them out, and um, then set up a 15-minute call kind of typically how it's reflected on their website. And then once that is agreed upon and we establish a date, which is always at least, I'm always strategic about that, to have that 15-minute that, that call scheduled at least seven days in advance. Um, and that's important because um, the reason why is because as soon as I get confirmation of a date, that's at least seven days in advance, I then follow up because I, I want to keep it optionally flexible and say, hey, would you mind if I present you with a few questions to get to know you and your company and kind of a little bit of background on yourself prior to the call? And so and I, you know, I'm going to preface that by saying this will also kind of minimize the number of questions that I would normally have on the call if we can go through a series of questions first. And always they say yes. And so um, it's essentially a, a, a Word document. Um, I don't send the Word document. I usually copy what's in the Word document to the body of an email and say, you know, questions are as follows. Um, 
And that, so that's the first part. So what do those questions involve before we move on to the next step? Like some examples of, of what you might want to know from them at that stage. Sure. Um, so at that stage, some really some very basic questions. I actually brought up here. I'll just pick, pick one randomly here. Um, how long have you been doing uh, multifamily real estate investing personally? And how long has your specific company been in business investing in multifamily commercial properties specifically? Um, and does that company and, th and did, does that company been through at least one full cycle as a company um, with multifamilies specifically? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's so that's one question. Um, um, and you know, other questions I'll kind of hit on. I mean, include um, you know, what is your target acquisition? What's the minimum amount of funding as an L you know you requirement from an LP? Things like that. Um, not get those kind of questions out the way, um, and it, it allows me to. Um, to get to know them, and I will tell you, um, I've 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 refined this over the t over time. It started out as basically only four or five questions, but the more I read, uh, the more conversation I had, the more I realized I've got to ask more questions, and it kind of grew and grew and grew. And and, and there are definitely some some, quite frankly, past fail points mm -hmm. um, that um, that I'm happy to disclose that if if it's not appropriate in the response. I respectfully ask to cancel cancel call, save everyone time. Um, you know, and they actually respect that. Um, and actually what I sometimes try to do is that if if we if we can get an email exchange going, I try to knock out the past fail questions, which is only one or two, um, via email before sending them a list of questions. That way they're not wasting their time on going through stuff if they don't, you know, for example, two cycles. You gotta have at least two cycles. Um, real estate acquisition cycles, that is, not okay. economic cycles. So they um, have to have closed on at least, uh, acquired and then sold at least two deals. Absolutely. And not just acquire and sell, um, um, acquire and sell where other LPs are involved. Mm. So friends and family, um, like those early years, just, you know, I think they don't come. Okay. Okay. So that's a... Good window into the uh, the, the pass fail criteria. If we, <laughs> yeah. so you're you're knocking them out. You're figuring, is it even worth your time and their time to have a call? Yeah. Maybe you won't end up being interested. Ultimately, um, once you get on that call, what are you asking at that point? What are you trying to learn from them? I mean, what what does that call look like? So at that point, um, if we're having a call, you're, you're, you're a solid company, right? You know, you've been through enough questions to where you're a solid company, you have a solid track record. And I'm essentially, the intent of the call at that point is just to really get to know you better and hear how you respond to questions. So these questions are not pass fail. They're just, you know, how, how, you know, how do you respond? Um, mm -hmm. Some might say fat footed, but I just want to hear, how do you respond? So, you know, it may sound like, um, for example, has the company ever lost money on acquisition? That may sound like a password question, is it? It really is, you know, how do you respond? You know, sometimes person will respond in confidence, other times they respond with a sense of secrecy, mm. you know, right? And, you know, and I'm, so I'm listening to those inflections and those tones and, and, and are, sometimes they'll respond with a, a great degree of defensiveness, right? So, so this is really get to know, know the person. So you're, 
you're you're trying to understand um, not only what their answer is, but how do they answer the question? And maybe maybe the answer isn't something that they're proud of, but you're trying to figure out, okay, do they truthfully answer this question uh, and not try to hide anything that they might not want me to know? How honest are they being and, and those kinds of things? Yeah, because I tend to pick up on that stuff right away. I just have a long background of dealing with awful lying tenants. It's just, it's like a <laughs> you know, I don't know what to say. I just, it just leaps off the page, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so is it, does that, completely cover you know what you might want to ask them in the call or or your goals with the call do you think we have that covered we move on to the next step or what else are you asking them on a call well no because it's not really too much of a next step the call the call has a number of questions nowhere near as 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 long as the email um but there are there are um there are a number of questions that i I do go over but i i do want to touch on something um which kind of transitions to the next phase um, of the process, and that is this, if I may. Go for at, it. You know, at the conclusion of the call, let's call it phase three. You know, that's okay. This went well. Assuming this went well, we feel like I'm a good match. They, I, they feel like I'm a good match. I then ask two questions, two requests, not even a question, it's a request. Um, and I think it's pretty fair. And that is, can I get a sample, a small sample of, of referrals? Of, of people that have been LPs on your deals in the past, and at least one or two should have been um, on deals you've sold. Yeah, I say that for because there's no point in asking, I think there's no point in asking for references if they don't check out, right? Sure, yeah. You know, and then, and then the second is, and can you just you know, send me a snippet of your track record that will, you know, will give, be, be very clear on you know, historical performer versus actuals across your portfolio of, of properties. Um, um, and that's one thing I can tell you. I don't, I am not ashamed to disclose out loud in public that I, I, I must get that, you know, and I, that does not need to be a secret, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and I, and I just want to share, I can't wait to tell you this piece. I am, I am surprised um, by the small handful of, of, of sponsors who have out there who have been doing this a long time that um, that um, either say no or say yes and just simply do not provide the information. Hmm. And that's phase three. So they they, <laughs> they say no to providing referrals, or they, yes. they say yeah I'll, I'll do it, and then they never send it to you. Yeah, yeah. You know, the ones that say no, they have a very um, indirect way of saying it, and I can tell it's a no. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. They're not that bold and blunt so far. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the one, the, the, the part that's quite confusing to me is the ones that say, oh, yeah, sure, with great enthusiasm, but nothing ever, you know, is, is delivered. Um, and there's no follow-up ever after that point. Um, so... So that's that's uh, phase three. Oh, so now that I've talked through it, now now phase four kind of becomes very clear to me. <laughs> and if I think about it, and that is getting on the phone with referrals and actually talking to them, just have a conversation, you know. And and you know, it should be it should be very easy and very consistent for a referral to to say things 
that are consistent with the, with the company's track record if they've been involved in deals around specific deals. Yeah, they should have specific uh, memories about a particular property that, that kind of jive with what the sponsor told you about that property. Exactly. If yeah. they, in fact, have been with a, 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 a property. So I'm not looking for a whole this. That's when I hear some val- independent validation, right? Seems logical to me. Sure. Yeah, yeah, right. Do you... Uh, so obviously you want to hear good things from them, right? That's just kind of yes. implied you want to hear good things. Mm-hmm. But going mm-hmm. a little bit deeper, you know, what do you want to hear? You want to hear them reflect the same story as the sponsor. You want to hear good things, generally speaking. Um, what else comes to mind that might, is there anything that might be, might not be an obvious disqualifier or an obvious uh, qualifier that you kind of think about and say, you know, if you've heard that, say, I'm not interested in that sponsor anymore, or you hear something uh, and you say, and now I'm extra interested in that sponsor because of X, Y, Z. Okay, so two parts, I've heard two parts. So the first part is um, the things that are not obvious that I wanna, that I'd like to hear that would make them immediately uh, a type of sponsor I wanna do business with is, um, a storyline that is consistent with what the sponsor shared with me. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, for example, you know, sponsor says, um, you know, I've exceeded my returns on all of my properties um, for the last 10 years. <laughs> so I expect, I expect any of their referrals to say, yeah, and the return that was returned to me exceeded what the projection said when I first got into it. That's, you know, that's a, that's pretty, um, Pretty straightforward. Um, um, other subtleties, but not a requirement, right? Is um, uh, a referral um, that says, you know, that there were some challenging times that were experienced on a property, but the manner and the frequency and the openness of which the sponsor communicated and with transparency, that's a big green flag. Ah, yes. Okay. You know, for sense. me. Um, so that's the first part. Um, kind of disqualifiers. Subtle disqualifiers, and I'm one of these <laughs> is if um, if uh, I'm talking to the person, and as I talk to them, there's a clear conflict of interest. Let's just say that, you know, like a family member, ah, uh, okay, or someone on the board who stands to really benefit financially by more cash flow coming into the company yeah. to do more acquisitions. Right. Well, someone on the board is that I wouldn't expect anybody to be quite that bold to, to slip one by yeah. you. I can see the, the fan, but it sounds like from what you're saying that the implication is that somebody has provided yeah. the board. Wow. That's yeah. something. Yeah. Stop right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you want, oh, and I'll just throw this one out there. This is a um, referral piece, but kind of just popped in my head. Um, you know, surprise, it's not many of them, but a sponsor, who um, believes that it's 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 appropriate for you um, to wire money um, based on our overall general description of a property? No PPM, no paperwork. This here's the wiring instructions. So I've had you've had people like not provide a, a, a PPM, like yeah, we're just saying yeah, this is a great deal and. And it's going to give these kind of, it's just a conversation. And if you're really interested, I can get you the wire instructions, you know, as soon as possible. 
Wow. I mean, I'm now, not a lawyer. I don't know the right, legality of that. but And I was not shocked at the time because that was really? very early in the process before I even knew what a PPM was. Ah, okay. I just thought that's how it was. But as I, as I had more conversations, I started seeing sponsors have these packages with details and, you know, contract language. Well, that, you know, that's, you know. that's very important, though, because you don't know what you don't know, especially anybody at the beginning, exactly. you don't know that PPMs are required and, and what you yeah. disclosed. Once you check out those referrals, you talk to those people and, and you've evaluated them and say you're, you're satisfied with what you found, what's beyond that? Are mm -hmm. you then you're going to start looking at the sponsor's deals and keeping in touch with them? Or is there a next step uh, still in your due diligence that's not just ongoing? Actually, that is a very good point. Do you want a second, please? Sure. Because, you know, I don't do anything from memory, man. It's such a risk. And I actually have a tracker. So let me just reference something really quickly here. Um, we'll just cut this bit out. So, yeah. And while I, I probably could have done this up front, I just, the time just doesn't make it practical. And so now that you mentioned that, I remembered how, you know, once I get, get that far, and I do try to do this more upfront now than I used to, um, but, you know, going on Facebook um, and seeing what's out there, Googling their name. Um, so the, the, where in the process that happens, it's kind of varying at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, check the SC, uh, again, from reading, I picked this one up. SEC has a website where you can where you can check for litigations against um, anyone that's on the board, any member of the company. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so sponsor name, in quotes, space, fraud, Google, you know, little things like that. Other than that, um, uh, everything checks out. I, yeah, only and then only then can read this. That, you are allowed to add me to your email distribution. <laughs> Time is a precious commodity. Nice. Right? I had an email distribution from everyone I had a conversation with. I get nothing else now. So, um, <laughs> so um, yes, I get on their email distro and I get to see deal flow. And obviously, um, you know, I've, I've qualified the sponsor at this point. So now at this point, I'm qualifying the deal. I definitely underwrite the deals myself. To the extent that I've you know, learned and thought and built kind of a system around around that, because just like I underwrite single family homes, I kind of built out, which is developing, right? Built yeah, out a system yeah. looking at and underwriting deals and say, well, okay, Marcus, just from a cash flow standpoint, does this make sense? Does the numbers jive? Yeah, you want to. Now, my numbers are close as good as guys that are actually doing the deals and have been doing these kind of deals for five, ten years, right? But at least I have something, right? Yeah, and you want to check their math and, and verify. I mean, it's being an engineer. I'm an engineer myself. I mean, you want to make sure that maybe they made a math mistake somewhere. And yeah. I've, I've heard of that happening. And, and deals get really deep into the process where they're a mm. week or two from closing and somebody points out, hey, you have a big math error. And there's, you know, it took somebody really digging into it to find it, but it was a, a yeah. big deal. Um, so yeah. I think there's a lot of value in doing the math yourself for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that system. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Sure. Absolutely. All right, Marcus, we got three questions at the end of the show. Are you ready? I am. 
All right. Number one, what is the best investment that you ever made other than your education? Oh, darn it. I was going to say about education. <laughs> um, um, other than my education. Well, you know, I, I got to say, um, it, as much money as I've made from single family homes, it has to be an investment in just any of the multifamily deals, assuming they all pan out well, because, you know, it, it is these deals that, I, that will send me checks with me doing nothing. And that is my ultimate goal. Do less, earn more. Nice. I like that goal. On the other side of the best investment, we have the worst investment you ever made. What is the worst investment that you ever made? Worst investment was a single a single row house property that I bought a long time ago. Didn't look at it myself. Had someone else look at it. Um, they just didn't catch a lot of things that were wrong. And it was just so much money to, to just get it right and I quickly. And I don't sell stuff. You know, I try to hold on to stuff. But there was just so many things wrong in the area with that property. And I, took, I sold it at a loss and just ran. And just from that day on, I look at everything myself. Wow. Was that early on in your investing career, kind of mid, al mid along the way? Or yeah, was it more that was early, early on. Ooh, tough lesson. Tough lesson to learn. You Hard to lose it? money. Yeah. So my favorite question at the end of the show, number three, what is the most important lesson that you've learned in investing? The most important lesson that I've learned in investing is that nine times out of 10, if something's wrong, something's not going right, it's, it's me. Hmm. It's not someone else, it's not the tenant, it's not the neighborhood, it's not the time of the year, it's me. Um, you know, how disciplined am I? How refined is my system? How much am I sticking to my system? Do I have a system? It's me. <laughs> That's the, that has to has got to have been um, the biggest lesson because things really turned around pretty significantly once I focused on me making me better and doing better, you know, what I do, as opposed to thinking it's someone else and blaming the tenant next door or things like that. That's the 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 Jocko Willink extreme ownership spirit. So I, I definitely respect that. So I, I definitely, I thank you for sharing your system today. I think there's a lot of value in that, especially for people who are new getting into syndication investing and, and need to know what to do. Um, if folks want to get in touch with you, can they, I mean, where can they reach you? I would, would I would ideally like them to reach me through bigger pockets, not directly on that phone, cell phone or anything like that. <laughs> I am on bigger pockets to send me a note. We can set up some, set up a time to chat if you want to chat, but bigger pockets is uh, the best place. Nice, Marcus bigger pockets. Bigger yeah, pockets, bigger Marcus House, and uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So there you go. There you go. Well, thank you for everything today. I, I, I've learned some things for myself and, and I'll be imply, applying some of these lessons in the future. So thanks for joining us. Hey, you know what? I'll, I'll give my email. That can't be too hard. Oh, GIC, properties, GIC properties at yahoo.com. 
gicproperties at yahoo.com. Prepare to get a flood of emails oh from Passive oh Wealth Strategies listeners. <laughs> no, no, but there have not been any complaints from past guests. All the Passive Wealth Strategies listeners are are good people, so you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> All right, excellent. <laughs> good. Well, thank you, thank you everybody for tuning in. I hope you learned a lot today. Like I said, I know I did. This is a valuable lesson for anybody in the syndication game, whether you're on the passive side or the active side or both sides, even, no matter what you're doing, if you're active or passive, whatever, it's valuable to know what successful passive investors are looking for. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. Thank you for joining us today. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It's a very big help. If you know anyone out there that could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the fold. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great day and a great rest of your week. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye.